Hey, welcome to the Tradies Success Podcast. If you're loving the podcast, we'd love to help you start, scale, or automate your tradie business. We help everyone from startup all the way up to $1 million plus months, and would love to be able to help you too. So click the link in the show notes if you're interested in getting some support and joining an epic community of legends in the academy. We'd also appreciate if you're loving the podcast to leave a review. It helps us reach more people and help more tradies like you run successful businesses. All right, let's get into it. Hey, my legends, welcome to another episode of the Tradie Success Podcast. Here today with Mitch Van from the Academy, and we're gonna be talking around the three biggest things that each of us wish we knew before we started our businesses in the past. And uh, love to hear from you, Mitch, first. What are the three you're gonna be covering today? Uh, but I'm gonna talk around diversification and the importance of it, um, doing more, uh, not trying to cut off when you get to that 40 hours or wanting something little, um, and then also don't aim for perfection. Yeah. Get so sick and tired of people aiming for perfection. They get stuck on doing nothing and not getting to where they actually need to get Man, to. Man, that's such a big one. You, you, you want to do it right, but then that's actually preventing you from moving yep. forward. Yeah. What about you? For me, I'm going to be talking about the three flows I wish I knew more about before I started, but I actually don't think I would have been able to prepare for it. It's sort of something you have to do. Yep. Mine are workflow. So understanding how to manage the ups and downs, like I'm so busy, I'm not busy enough. You know, a lot of the guys in the academy you know, talk, you know, talking about that all the time. Uh, so it's workflow, cash flow, like especially getting slammed and being stressed out with huge tax bills, huge wholesaler bills, and not understanding why there wasn't money in the bank to pay for them. And energy flow, you know, Ooh. not putting myself first when when I do, I actually perform better, like holistically. So um, they're the three I'm going to be covering today. Mate, considering you've got such a, it sounds like it's like a, a structured system, flow, flow, flow. Let's hear your first one. All right, cool. So workflow, big one. Uh, a lot of guys in the academy and from small startup all the way up to massive businesses that we work with are always having troubles and getting overwhelmed with, man, we're so busy, can't keep up the work and then fall into a like, just get sucked into doing more on the tools and they're just out there getting the jobs done. But then all of a sudden, next week has no work. And yes. then there's the stress of like, oh, I don't have enough work. Oh man, what's happening? I'm gonna have to you know, let people go. And so you go from this like, man, I've got to hire someone to like, oh, I'm gonna have to let someone go constantly, yeah. you know, right? So there's this balance of like, why is this happening? And for me, you know, it's, you know, having response now for, 13 years or nearly 14 years, um, I've come to have an awareness around those ups and downs and being able to teach so many people around how to manage that mentally and how to not get sucked into the emotion of it all and actually see a bigger picture of what's actually happening that's causing the ups and downs. And how can you be on the proactive foot and actually make sure that you've got continuous growth in the business? Because what tends to happen is, and it's affected me for years trying to work out how to scale and then being knocked back, like not having enough work and going, oh, lucky I didn't hire someone, you know? And then I'm stressing out because I'm too busy and now I'm stressing out because I, I feel like I'm gonna have to let someone go. And so by doing that, the confidence is affected. Yeah. And you're sort of sitting back going, I'm so glad I didn't hire someone. So next time when you get busy again, it's like, I don't know if I wanna yeah. hire someone yep. because if I do, then I might be where I was where I've got no work again. 
It's almost yeah. like you create triggers. You create responses within yourself that actually don't need to be there in the first place yeah. and they stop you moving forward. Yeah. Yep. So when I fully analyze this out and now working with hundreds of business owners, what we do know is when you don't have any work, people tend to make it happen. Yep. So those periods where people are like, I don't have any work, a week later they seem to have gotten work for their team. Yep. Yes, it's stressful, but in that state they've been able to generate work. So what's happening when they're super busy, um, you know, is that they're not doing the things that help them grow in the first place yes. and they're not doing those yes. things when they're quiet. And so that's why we are constantly working with the guys and peak formers to just maintain a constant uh, equilibrium across all of the different movers because that equilibrium creates a more consistent outcome. Yep, you remove that motion of the ocean, the up, down, the up, down. <laughs> yeah. We're good, we're shit, we're good, we're shit. Yeah. Yep, yep. And that's, do you know what? The crazy thing is like analyzing hundreds of businesses now, you look at ones that have been sole traders for 10 years, those guys have gone from too busy, not busy enough, too busy, not busy enough, too busy, not busy enough. And you look at the guys that have gone from you know, uh, just themselves to having 10 staff in 18 months, um, those guys still had those cycles. Too busy, not busy enough, too busy, not busy enough. Yeah. But the difference is the, the guys that grew that fast put people on and then they, they rolled with it, with the system. So, um, so that's something I wish I knew because that I, I couldn't tell you. It's countless times, probably over 100, no, more than that, times where I'd be sucked in emotionally into stressed about being too busy and then stressed about not being busy enough. Yep. Probably thousands of times actually over the yep. period of time. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Yeah. So based off those two stresses, the stress of I'm not busy enough, uh, I need more work, need more leads, or I'm too busy, I need more staff. Yeah. Which one of those stresses are actually you find you have now gotten most comfortable with? Is it the fuck I need to look for more leads? Yeah. Or the oh my God, I need more staff? Yeah, definitely look for more leads and build more business and yeah. build more relationships and get more work coming in because it's better that I hire someone and then be put like, physically force myself in that position where I'm not busy enough and then I go and hunt. Yep. You know, or the team goes and hunts now with response. Like we've got three BDMs and, you know, those guys go and get the work. Yep. So we put the team on and then we fill it, fill their days up. So yep. it's Love proactive that. that way. Love that. Love yeah. that. Uh, my first one, uh, diversification. Plays into your, um, you know, a couple of your stresses really nicely. But I remember back to like, you know, my first business, it was, oh my God, there's only one way in which I can acquire clients. You know, and I sat in that mindset for probably a year mm. looking at, okay, this is how I grow in business. Oh my God, I've just got to grow that one channel of getting leads. Um, and I got to a point where it was good, but it was nowhere near what it got to. Mm. And the one thing that got me to that next level was, hang on a sec, if I'm getting leads from this avenue, maybe I've exhausted those. Mm. Yep. And I just looked in another space. And I remember for me, it was back in the day, you know, it was all about like, uh, you know, face-to-face, -face, walking in, all that kind of stuff, building a business in that way. Yeah. And I looked to diversify in a digital space. Mm -hmm. I went to more email marketing. I went to Facebook ads. I went to Google ads. I went to, you know, that style of stuff. And it was beautiful. You just turn it up yeah. and off it went. Yeah, and I think it's, it. yeah, it's so important. You hear so many guys come in and I, I get it. You know, you want to simplify. SIS, success is simple. Mm -hmm. I want to keep it really simple and nail doing one thing well. But once you nail that, I think so many people forget is that once you've nailed that, 
The quickest way to grow is, well, look outside of what you're currently doing. Mm. Is there a quicker way to gain leads or to branch into a new industry or a new sector yeah. or whatever that looks like? But you have to have that diversification mindset. Yeah. I think it's a big entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurial trait is to not just have that closed off, you know, you know uh, when you're talking about a horse racing and they put their blinkers on and all they can see is in front of them. Mm-hmm. That's a great mindset for getting you to a certain point in business. But there's so much stuff happening out here that you've got to take them on. Yeah. You know, and you'd know that with response. I know it's got a great diversified structure in the way it acquires leads. Um, so if we, if we look at that, have you do you do you see that as well? Like Yeah, so we, we actually reached a point of hitting capacity in ads. Like we yep. couldn't we couldn't get any more work, like we couldn't reach our budget. Like yep. so we would put an ad like people probably haven't grown their budget enough to get to a point where you you think that you're ever going to end and that was me you know i was like oh we'll just keep scaling up the ads and we just put staff on and we'll scale the ads and we'll put staff on yeah. and we hit a point where the ads wouldn't get any more work yeah. like we'd no matter hit, how much you put we could triple the budget yeah yes google will spend it but it didn't mean we got more work yeah and so we were able to optimize it as best as possible but we had to start to look at well where can we invest that money somewhere else that is not dependent on like an algorithm or you know uh like ad structure yeah yep. and it's awesome like when you can have that as a more of a fill in the gaps sort of tool rather than it's like your core um, part of work and that's when you're diversified you can turn on and off things that are going to maximize that return yep yep and you know, we've talked about it in the lead sense, diversification of how we acquire leads, but I think it's it's also diversifying in every avenue, you know, how we acquire staff. So many people just jump on and they're like, oh, I've got a CCAT up. And I'm like, okay, cool, what else are we doing? Yeah. What what can we do more of? And they're like, oh, what do you mean? Like I just put a CCAT up. It's like, no, yeah, it's you could run Facebook go. ads for that. Yeah. You could have a dedicated web page that is actually pushing towards that with emails going out. Yeah. You can make sure that you're posting community notice boards on Facebook or the ones down at the local shopping center. Mm-hmm. You can make sure you're putting stuff into the wholesaler. Yes, yeah, so like, much you can do. Oh, it's just, it's endless. When we talk about diversification, it's across all different structures. It's yep. across, you know, the way in which we do business, the type of staff that we hire, how mm-hmm. we hire those staff, where we get our leads from, the way in which we derive revenue and profits and so forth. So my first one, big one, the importance of diversification. Yeah, I love that. And it does play into that workflow point that I had as well, because when you can turn your ads on and off and you can you know, start talking to your salespeople to ramp up certain things, that's when you can smooth out the bottom end yeah. and really push it up. And the bigger you get, the more that flow calms yeah. down. It's not so sporadic. As a sole trader, even like one or two tradies, I remember it just being like, at capacity, 110%, 120%, even 150 sometimes working massive weeks yeah. to like one job next week. Yeah. And like, so that balances out as you get a bigger team, but you've also got more levers to pull away. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. You just gave me the biggest um, like visual image of when you're, uh, you know, when you're starting out, when you haven't diversified, when you haven't thought of the, the different flow, which you're talking about at the start there, it's like a really chaotic storm. Yeah. You've got massive peaks of waves and massive downs. Yeah. But as you grow in business and as you start playing into those different spaces, 
it kind of, you get more out to see it, so it gets a little bit calmer. Like you've still got the ups and downs that are going to always happen, but they start to calm a little bit. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. They're not so peaky. Yes. <laughs> awesome. All right. Number two for me. Uh, so that is cash flow. Cash flow took me so long to figure out. Like understanding my finances for one, you know, I was, was such a big thing and cash flow, everyone used to say cash flow is king or cash is mm. king. And I, yeah, I, I understood what I was sort of saying, but I didn't understand it instinctively yep. um, and not intuitively either. And so it wasn't until one point in the, my business that I remember I was actually ready to give up. Like it was just like, what the fuck? And we had such a massive growth one year. So we've been working really hard to grow. And then I think we 5 x our profit one year. I worked really hard. We did put everything in place and we 5 x our profit. And so what happened was we got to the tax in the tax year and the taxation. So we're pushing a lot of money into growth, hiring new staff, mm. growing fast. I know it's coming. Yeah. And then I filed for the tax for that year. And they're like, oh, looks like you've made 200 grand net profit. Last year you made 20, you know, 40,000 yeah. net profit. So you're gonna to have to back pay all of oh. the money you didn't pay in preparation and pay for the next year. Prepay. So that's what in Australian tax, that's what they do. They'll they'll take whatever your tax was and they get you to prepay it for the year coming. And then that year that we got hit with that bill, we had a huge decline in business. Yep. And it was just a weird, I can't remember the reason. Perfect storm. It was a perfect storm. And so they were asking us to dish out all of this tax every single month and we're tight on cash, we're in a growth period still, and we had a decline in business, so we had less cash than normal. So it apps, and it doesn't show up in the PL. So the PL is saying positive, positive, yeah, positive. Yeah. And negatives in there as well sometimes. But um, you know, that it just didn't make any sense to yep. me. Um so then I said, you know what, I've got to fucking learn this. So I set I sat down. The other thing was the accountants generally like working with hundreds of guys we know the accountants won't come to you and actually teach you this stuff and that's yeah. that's why we got you know, the accounts in the academy dude yeah yeah and that's what we that's why we're so passionate about training you guys and peak performers to understand their financials and yeah you know eight weekly you know consultation with our accountant to go through that stuff because understanding that is so important um and it was the balance sheet like yes the PL was there but understanding the balance sheet and actually seeing, oh, there's these liabilities building up in the background. There's GST, there's your pays go, you, you go withholdings taxes, the G, uh, there's the superannuation, there's your uh, accounts payable. So all these things are building up in the background that you don't see on your P&L. Yep. And that's where once I understood that, I was like, well, if I can take that away from my bank balance, then it shows me my net cash position. Yep. And once I see that cash position, I don't go out and spend money on things when I don't have it because that's when you get into a real pickle. So, yep. Yep. so, um, so understanding that, like, and it's, it's so complex, like we couldn't just dish it out. That's why we've got training programs to really train people in that. But that understanding that cash flow, balance sheet, profit and loss, those things, once I understood those, now I was directing. Yep. Now I was actually looking at the financials. Now I was making good business decisions based on, uh, yeah, we've got this, we've got this excess cash, we've got this situation, let's diversify over here, 
let's play with that. Let's hold back. Let's not spend right now. Yeah. Those decisions happen when you've got yeah. a really clear picture. And um, I just found, you know, I was with the cash flow thing as well. You, you see your bank account sometimes. You're like, wow, look at all that money. Cool. All right. Well, we'll do that renovation, babe. Yeah. You know, yep. like, and so you think that you've got this money in the bank and it's so high, but then it's like two weeks later, it's nearly zero again. Yep. And that just blew my mind how that was happening. So learning that was something I wish I had a better understanding of sooner. Yep. Now you've been coaching for a long time now. I've been coaching for a long time as well. Um, if you want to talk percentages, what do you reckon the percentage of people that come to us at the start actually like how many people don't understand their cash flow? They think they do, but they don't. I would say ninety-eight percent. <sighs> yeah, I was gonna, I was actually going to say hundred. Uh, you know, the so one, the few people I, I have actually had people that that they understood when I taught them was they were accountants before yep. and they've started a trade. Yep. Or their wife is an accountant and they do their books and they talk about it all the time. Yep. Or you know they just they've got someone in really close to them like a wife or a dad or yep. a dad that works with them or you know a mom or you know someone is actually really involved in that and actually helps them understand that but apart from that if someone's just starting a business they just don't like me like i just didn't understand yep. yeah and it massively highlights that problem which is you know um we get trained to do a certain trade yep. we get trained to do what we do in business well as the actual technical stuff we don't get any training to actually have a business, grow a business and go from there. Mm. So that's one of the big things I love about our program is watching people go from where they are at the start to a different space so quickly by simply understanding the numbers, getting a grasp on their cash flow yeah. and setting some clear goals and moving through those. Yeah. I love that. Well, the love other that. thing is like the amount of times I was undercharging because I didn't understand yeah. that as well. Like yeah. when I was looking at my profit and loss or my money in the bank. I thought everything was sweet, but it wasn't until you dive deep into the analysis side of it and you go yeah. like week two of incubator, we do cost of operation. 90% yep. of the guys are just shocked that they're actually not making any money yep. or paying their customers to do jobs for them. Yep. <laughs> like, so, you know, once you know that, then you can ch make really good changes that that's why we get such great results, you know? Yeah, so. you mentioned that week two and that they're blown away by you know the the um, the actual cost of running a business. Mm. I love the fact of when they also make that next statement, and then how it's made false so quickly, which is I couldn't charge that. Yeah. And we know that all of our members, once they get above that level to peak performance, they are charging that. Yeah. And they sit and go, I can't charge that. And it's like, well, if you're not going to charge that then you don't have a business. You've got two or three years until you've stressed yourself out so much that you yep. just either give up or you finally make the change and charge properly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool. Awesome, man. What about uh, your one? Number two. Man, number two for me, look, controversial. I'm going to say it. Uh, and I know a lot of people are going to hear it and they're going to get annoyed by it. But if I look at my own, own journey through business creation, and I've had you know more than a dozen businesses over the last amount of years, um, for me, it's always come down to, I'm going to say it slowly, do more. Yeah. Do more. Yep. The amount of people that we hear that I've had a business for six weeks, six months, six years, it's here, and I want to only work 20 hours. I've yeah. just started a business, I only want to work 20 hours, or I've only got to this point, but I've been doing it for six years, so I should be able to work six hours a week or 20 hours a week or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
my first thing to them is, you know what? When I start a business, I work 100 plus hours. Yep, and I know it's controversial. I'm not telling everyone to work 100 plus hours. But what I'm simply saying is, let's look at, let's look at you and me. Let's pretend that you aren't you, but I'm me. Okay. I'm happy to work 100 hours a week and you want to work 40. Yep. I'm going to do what you can do in twice the time. Uh, sorry, you're going to do it in twice the time. All things being or equal. 2.5. 2.5. 2.5. It's going to take you 2.5 years to do what I could do in a year. Yep. So therefore, I can grow quicker if I'm willing to put in more work, if yep. I'm willing to do more, yep. if I'm willing to live off less, yep. if I'm willing to live off, you know what? 50K a year and you want to live off 100. Well, let's swap it up now, okay? I want to live off 100. You're willing to live off 50. You've got $50,000 a year. You can invest into the business more yeah. than I do. Because I'm like, nah, I deserve that money. When in reality, do I? Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, the amount of people that pull too much cash out oh. in uh, too early in the business yep. is it, something that you didn't mention was compounding. Oh, so, yeah. So, you, yes, you did two and a half of my years in one year yep. but then you get a compounding effect on that second mm -hmm. year and that's like now you're up to 10 years yep. or more over my two years of yep. work yep. so that i was the same when i started response i was i was just relentlessly working as much as i could all the time and yeah my wife <laughs> was pretty annoyed that she yep. ne never yep. got me all the time but she's got me 100 percent of the time now yeah so She's got me 100% of the time. My kids have me 100% of the time. And for me, it was about getting there before I had kids yep. and I achieved that. Yeah. So that was what had to happen to get that compounding effect early. So now mm -hmm. I can cruise on the compounding effect. Yeah. Uh, whereas if I just try to take it easy at the start and like pull too much out at the start, then and try to get off the tools too early as well, yep. then I'd still be working on the tools. Yeah. I guarantee it. It's the resources thing. It's that people try and pull resources from their business too early. Yeah. Resources being, like you said, time, money, energy, yeah. all those things. And we want everyone to get to a point where they can have exactly what you've talked about. But in the way you did, you know, you went, okay, I've got to work hard now. Yeah. So that in five-ish years, I'm going to be able to have the time and freedom to do the things I want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's that kind of, it's that. I say it a lot, um, it's a question I pose to a lot of our peak performers. It's, would you be happy to live off 50 grand a year now for the next five years if it meant that you could live on half a mil a year for the rest of your life after? After five years, yeah. yeah. And man, the amount of people I ask that question to when they start in the academy, they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to live off 50 grand, like, it's not much money. Mm. But it's just, it's mind boggling me, that do more attitude, it's that, guys, like if I could put one thing into you, it's just, yeah. It's do more, work harder, and be happy doing it because it's going to get you to where you want to be so much quicker. Especially that first step from sole trader up to oh, yeah. one tradie. Yep. Like that's where you've got to, if you can really cut back on your living expenses yourself and just put someone else on. I, was, yeah. I say now, if you can start a business with a tradie and you, yep. you'll probably skyrocket past anyone that starts a business just them because yep. we've done... We've done data analysis of efficiency, labor efficiency with sole traders, yep. and they're running at about 60% efficient yeah. all the time because they're out in the jobs, they're taking phone calls, they get on the computer, they're booking a job, they're organizing materials, they're doing all this stuff that actually cuts themselves off at the knees, yep. and then that makes it hard for them to earn the money. Yep. 
But I was like, well, if you could just have a bit of cash to start with and then invest it in a tradie right from the start, yeah. all of a sudden you're managing the tradies' time. They're out there 40 hours a week doing billable work. Yeah. And then even though sometimes you've got gaps in your schedule and whatever, but it's still better than what a sole trader does when they're trying to do it all. And all like the classic example is one of our guys who struggled to uh, put a staff member on. He wasn't earning enough. He had other commitments at home and he couldn't get out and do enough billable hours. I said, just hire someone. Yep. Hire someone, you're going to be able to scale. And we went through this conversation for months it felt like and um i was like you have to hire someone if you want to grow man and he's like i can't i'm not making enough profit i, I realize that it's a risk but as soon as you put someone on you're going to be able to manage them anyway they didn't but then they broke their back oh and, uh, yep yeah you know i'm speaking, yeah, about, I know he's speaking about and he will know too if he hears this and he broke his back and i'm just so proud of him and this yeah. is why i love sharing, yeah. sharing his story he broke his back and i said man you've got two choices to make i'm stopping coaching right now uh because i don't want to take like charging you um, and I want you to either close your business down or I want you to hire someone. Yep. And it took him like a week and a half, but he's like, fuck it, I'll just hire someone. What's the worst that can happen? Because if he didn't, business was gone. Anyway. He can't do any billable yep. hours. So he hired someone. Uh, he was making on average 14 grand a month. Best month ever was like 21 grand. And then after he hired someone, uh, they've you know, the first month of having him in the team, they did 35,000 net, uh, 35,000 and 10 grand or over 10 grand net profit. Before that, it would fluctuate between negative two and negative, uh, yep. positive two net profit. So it was like a yo yo across zero. Yeah. And it was, yeah, stressful to watch. Yeah. But it just shows you the power of putting your money rather than pulling it out on, and putting it on yourself, like you're saying, do more and actually putting. Uh, a staff member on to do that work, you know, that yeah. leveraging effect. Yeah. So update of who you were just talking to. Uh, December 27th, I was having a coaching session with him um, and we're talking about his three to five year goal. And he was like, oh man, I just remembered, you know, when I first started business, the whole purpose was that I wanted a rural property. Yep, that's what he was like. I just remembered that. And I was like, well, man, You've been going, you've been in the academy now for a year, but you know what? You've been in business all up three-ish years. I said, how close to you are that? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm getting a little bit closer. I was like, you know what, man? I reckon you're a lot closer than you think you are. And uh, update today, uh, it was last week he let us know he has that rural property. He bought it. He bought it. And he was sitting there in December, 27, yeah. sitting there going, oh, I'm still three-ish years away from that. Like, yeah, great. I've, I've com compressed that and it's shorter. But I'm still three years away from that. And now you're talking three months later and he's got that. Yeah. And I love the success stories like that. I love mm. when you push someone and they're willing to take the chance, mm. do that bit of more, get an understanding of the different components that go into running a business. Yeah. And they get what they want. Yeah. You know, it's so good. So but, good. But yeah, so that's it for me, that one. Do more. Do Guys, more. don't be scared of doing more. Yeah, sweet. Love it. All right, final one. What I wish I had a better understanding, wish I knew... Before I started my business, uh, my first business, which then flowed on to the other ones. Yep. For me, understanding the power of optimizing yourself. You know, I always knew that when I'm exercising, when I'm eating well, when I'm looking after myself, I perform better, right? And when it almost becomes effortless and mm -hmm. it sort of feels like I can't do that because when I do that, I'm not working and that's gonna 
cause me to fall behind because I was definitely in the do more like yep. with work. Yep. And I learned that by optimizing myself, I could do two hours yeah. for the amount of time it would take me one yep. just by being more focused, less, pro, uh, less procrastination, uh, less mistakes, yep. less uh, stress, yep. uh, better creativity, like all the things that come with good sleep, good nutrition, exercising, uh, good relationships, you know, relationship with self and relationship with others, friends, family, um, and putting those things at the forefront for for the purpose of performing better at work. Mm -hmm. So I've always, for me, like always being a competitive swimmer growing up and and then a competitive party animal and then... <laughs> And then a, how does that work? Tell me, how do you be a competitive party animal? <laughs> uh, just drink more than everyone else and, and whatever. But, you know, I think uh, that became a toxic thing. That yep. was then a problem I've had, for, had to deal with, you know, in business as well. Yep. So I think it's really important that, you know, I learnt how to go back to that, you know, competitive yep. uh, sports person optimizing health, wellness, mindset, um, and making sure I was fulfilling those relationships. Because big thing for us at the Academy is making sure that people aren't just growing their business, but they're loving the journey. Yes. You know, it's not about growing super fast. It's about taking away the stress, taking away the mistakes, helping people see more um, before it happens to them. Yep. yep. And, you know. Enjoy the present. Yeah, enjoy the present, yep. have more like focus on those things first because when you do those things first you are optimized and you perform a lot better mm -hmm. um so for me i wish i understood that because i went through cycles of like overworking workaholism alcoholism mm -hmm. you know and it was my way to switch off from other things that were happening in my life but i didn't realize that the thing that would actually make it all better was just prioritizing the myself first yep and i might i know that might sound a bit selfish but by doing that i'm able to give more to others yeah so have you heard of the cup uh philosophy where it's like my cup half like my uh, yep. cup's full and when your cup's full you can overflow like yeah. and the overflow helps everyone around you your clients your staff your family everything yep. but if your cup's empty you might not there's a book that my i read my kids uh, it's, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's something to do with bucket. It's about filling the bucket. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. And then if mean. your bucket's full mm. by being kind to others and looking after yourself, then it overflows and then you're able to be kind to others and, and, and it's so natural. But if your bucket's empty, and this is where like bullying and um, sabotage and, and I've felt this and you felt that yeah. once as well when I was in a bad place. Um, so that's when buckets empty and you yep. start pulling from others. Yep. You start blaming, you start being the victim, you start, all these things happen. And so I wish I understood that sooner because, and, and you know what, I've come in and out of realizing that. Yep. And I'm definitely at a place now where I wanna help as many people realize that today and continuously. And that's why it's a big core part of like what we do yep. is because we do need to be reminded. Because when the external, takes over like clients being pushy your staff are being um shit <laughs> like yep. there's things happening you sort of get pulled into things and i feel like by stepping back looking 
like looking after yourself, optimizing yourself, then you can go into those situations and make better decisions. Yep. Yeah, love that, love that. Yeah. I think it also plays into the space of, you know, in my 20s, I was always told, you know, I am who I hang around. You know, you're the sum of the people that are the closest to you. Yeah. And then in my 30s, it was a realization of the people that are closest to me are also a sum of me. Mm. You know, if I'm living at my absolute best, then those people, because I radiate out so much, those people also get picked up yeah. and uplifted. So yeah. 20s, it was all about, okay, might have to cut some connections here. But then 30s was about, oh, okay, I've got to be the best I can be yeah. so that my children, my friends, my family, the people that I have chosen to surround myself with in that earlier period are now also being brought up. We are, we are you know, um, increasing the impact that we can have, yeah. that we are, you know, moving everything up along with us. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. Love that one. Love that. Sweet. So, Andre, do you want to fix the curtain or is it blowing out the light? Oh, yeah. So Sweet. All right, cool. Do you want to make a note of where we're at? Clap. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're up to your last point. Yep. So okay. what's your last point, man? All right. So last point for me is aiming for perfection. But I want to put a word in front of that. Don't aim for perfection. <laughs> now you're all sitting there going, man, this guy's the shittest coach ever. <laughs> Worst business advice ever. He's told me I need to do more work which isn't actually what I said. And then he's also telling me to stop aiming for perfection. But I want to put in front of people that how perfectionism can actually slow us down on our journey towards growth of a business yeah. or towards success in a business. We, we try and focus too early on perfection mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know what, right now, let's, let's do what we've got to do. Let's get to the next level. And then we can look at our efficiencies. Yeah. Then we can look at really kind of like squeezing every drop out of a, out of a lemon. Yeah. You know, I always think of the analogy, um, no matter how small your lemon is, if you're going to squeeze it, you're not going to get much out of it. But if the lemon is bigger, if you've got more there, you can squeeze it and squeeze it and squeeze it and you'll get way more juice than a tiny juice. little lemon. Yeah. So I always look at it and I go, okay, Mitch, and I'm, I am a bit of a perfectionist. I was, is probably a better way to put that. Yeah. I've definitely, you'd, oh, you'd know, I definitely have moved out of it over the last couple of years. I'm like, if I can find someone that does a job 80% as good as I can do it, yeah. that's way better than me doing it. Yep. You know, if I can make that dollar work 80% as hard as I would make it work, that's way better to do because I'm not, I don't want to be a bottleneck yeah. in business. And for too long, I sat as a bottleneck. I was consistently trying to make things exactly as I want them. And now I've learned that, you know what? A lot of time my weight isn't actually the best anyway. Mm. So if I get it to 80% or I get it to 70% and then someone else is playing with it and doing it and tinkering and tweaking and, and getting it there, then I will grow 10 times faster. Yeah. You know? And you know me, um, I'm a grower, a, a serial grower. Yeah. I love to grow business. That's what I like to do. And then it's kind of like I either A, step out or B, I sell. Um, I, I'm not even a big perfectionist anymore. Like I don't even squeeze them down. But... That, that's me. That's how I like to operate. I think that goes back to the whole, um, you know, trying to do everything yourself like a sole trader. Yeah. And people think that they're doing better by doing it themselves. A yep. lot of people are like, no, nah, I don't hire staff because they're just, they just fuck it up and I, it's better that I just do it myself. What they don't realize is when you're doing it yourself, you're not doing the things that you should be doing yep. as a business owner and, or a manager. And so... They don't self-analyze yeah. uh, objectively. 
And so they think they're doing better, but actually everything else is falling behind. You know, yeah. they're not following up emails, they're not following up quotes, they're, yeah. you know, they're jumping in and trying to do it all themselves, but then that's actually stopping and stunting their growth yeah. as a result. So I love that focus of not trying to be perfect before you grow. Yep. Like that, cause that just stops you in your tracks. Yep. Yeah. You'll also be the only one doing it. Yeah. Like if you're the, if, like, if we're here to create jobs for ourselves, which, you know what, if we ultimately start a business, that's not what we're looking to do. No. We're looking to get ourselves, you know, one of those three key things that we talk about in lifestyle, more time, more energy, and more money, you know, mm. to do the things that we want to do and enjoy doing in life. Ultimately, if you're the one stuck there doing it for any longer than you need, then it's just you doing it. Yeah. You know, you've got a job, you're working nine to five, you're working probably six till, let's be real, midnight, just doing it where... You know, if you stop aiming for that perfectionism, if you stop just honing in on that one little thing and you just let it go and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. So many times, 80% is good enough. 80% yeah. will still grow the business and then move on down the track. You can start tightening the reins. You can start really looking at where every single cent is going um, and going from there. I think also like when you've got someone else doing it 80% as good as you, you spend 2% of your time working with that person to bring yeah. that up as close as possible to 100 yeah. rather than you trying to do 80% of that and then 80% of this process and 80% of that process. Yeah. And that's when you're just overworking and yep. stressed and making mistakes and all that. So, um, yeah, love that. Yep. Love that advice. Yeah. So good. So they're my three. That's yeah. the three things I wish that I knew uh, before starting businesses or I wish only when I started my businesses. Yeah, yep. 100%, man. Cool. Guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, comment below. What are the biggest things that you wish you knew? Uh, if this was on social media, comment below. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us a message if you're interested in learning about the academy. If you don't know anything about it, we're here to help businesses, uh, tradie businesses, uh, elevate the perception of tradies. Uh, we're growing your businesses faster with less mistakes and like we we're saying, with more fulfillment. So reach out if you're interested in that. But I hope you got a heap out of today and we'll see you in the next podcast. Thanks, Pew. Mitch. See you, dude. So if you're loving the podcast, please share with your friends, anyone that's thinking about starting a tradie business or got a large tradie business. We help everyone from startup all the way up to million dollar plus months. We'd love to help you too. And lastly, it would mean a lot if you could leave a review on the player that you're listening to this on. It helps us get it out there and help more tradies in business perform better and create better lives for themselves.